Kiwi Rail has been told to find new, cheaper options to upgrade its fleet of inter-islander ferries. This after the finance minister yesterday put the kibosh on any extra money, on the extra money needed to complete the port upgrades. Uh, these are required, of course, for the new larger ferries that were on order. The $400 million that has already been spent on the project uh, is likely to be gone, uh, with the latest cost four times what was originally estimated, or well, maybe gone that money. The former finance minister, Grant Robertson, echoes Nicola Willis in saying the added cost was not acceptable. But he says certainty is now needed over how a sustainable and reliable Cook Strait service can be provided. I asked Kiwi Rail Chief Executive Peter Reedy, what happens now? We have to look at different options and, and we certainly respect the government's role as shareholder and funder to make that decision. We believe the current solution of, of more capacity, uh, better efficiency and lower carbon, uh, bigger ships was the best option. That won't be happening now. We've obviously got to get back up on Monday and say, well, what are the options? And that does include maybe lease ships or different options. But, you know, I think that's a decision we've got to get around the table with customers, the government and our board and and work that through. Is it possible to lease ships or find smaller ships that are less costly that will also have rail capacity that is required? No, it's not. No, it's not. And and that's this whole solution was about connecting rail with freight and and passengers across the Cook Strait. Now, if we go and get lease ships, it won't be. They'll they'll be older ships. Uh, look, we'll have to work that through. But uh, the solution we had on the table was fit for purpose for New Zealand, fit for purpose for growth, and fit for purpose for safety. So, so do you? Sorry, to interrupt Peter, but do you? Does that mean do you want to keep running the ferry service if you can't run rail in future? Because that's what you seem to be saying. No, I think uh, if we can't run a rail service, then we've got to have a look at different options uh, for New Zealand. And, uh, and you know, we will, we will think through that. Uh, so, so is one of those options you simply pulling out and saying, we're a rail company, we, we shift freight around, we're not doing ferries if we can't put our rail on it? No, not at all. I mean, we're a transport, we're a transport services company. The inter-islander is a critical connection uh, across the Cook Strait. So one option is do you... Do you have rail enabled across Cook Strait? Obviously, this decision says, well, we, we can't invest in the land side rail infrastructure, so we've got to look at other options. But that doesn't mean uh, we're out of the Cook Strait ferry service. That's a key part of the transport connectivity and the service we offer our customers. What would it mean for New Zealand if we could no longer transport rail across the ferry with the ferries in terms of our emissions, in terms of dealing with freight around the country? What would that mean? Well, well, there's there's billions of dollars of freight go across the Cook Strait. There's over a million passengers we take over the Cook Strait. It means you disconnect the main trunk line. Um, you just got to have a look at what happened in the Kaikoura earthquake when we didn't have the rail line from uh, Paxton to, to Christchurch. You had trucks taking another four hours. Uh, you had countdown and other supermarkets unable to get their goods. You had two fatalities on the road when Kaikoura happened. So certainly the rail connection is critical to supply chain and all of our customers and exporters see that. It's also part of our export advantage. You know, this country is about growing exports, imports into this country. It's about rail adds a significant advantage along with road together. 
but you know, Monday we'll get up off, off the okay. mat and look at other options. Can you explain to New Zealanders how the cost of this project blew out from what seven hundred seventy-five million dollars initial estimate to nearly three billion in the space of about four years? What look, was the cost blowout? Well, look, the design uh, cost that got put on the table in June twenty-one was one point four five billion, um, and it's obviously increased since then. Uh, and, and it's increased through a number of factors. Firstly, you know, you've had seismic code change, flood modelling code change. You're having, you're having to lift Wellington a metre down by the port side there. Um, there was a lot of decisions at the time around, was it King's Wharf, was it Kaiforafora? You know, there was some but, With respect, there. Peter, we've known about seismic issues in Wellington for a long time. The Kaikoura quake was a perfect reminder of that. Why weren't those things factored in at the beginning? Why was the... I mean, was this just a low-ball offer to get it across the line? No, the engineering codes and flood modelling codes has changed, but actually the, the, that, that's one of the costs. The actual other increased cost was uh, you, you've also got... Um, uh, significant uh, infrastructure costs, even the roading costs in this country have increased 23% over the last four years. So there's been a numerous number of uh, things that the project's taken longer, lots more design reviews. Uh, it's, it's one of probably the most complex marine engineering projects this country would have done for some time. Uh, so, you know, as you bring contractors in, as we have the last year, to really get into the the constructability of this project, it's been clear that based on the design and the complexity, this is what the cost is. Is there no way at the beginning, earlier stages of these projects, of this project, to have foreseen the real cost? I mean, to be so wildly out. I mean, even in the last stages, I see in November of this year, you, you sort of added about, two, was it 200 million or 300 million to the project in the space of a few weeks? I mean, that's a massive blowout in a very short space of time. What happens with projects, and you see them all through the roading projects, as you get design maturity hardening up, you start to get more confidence in your constructability and your risks. Uh, in the last two weeks, yeah, we added more to the contingency just to make sure we had an envelope, which is what we call a P50 to, to, to a P90, to give us confidence on that. That's normal for large projects. They all go through this design maturity cost escalation stage. Yeah, the cost has increased. I think really what we've got to is saying to get a fit-for-purpose structure and, and seawalls and ships going forward, this is the infrastructure we need. But what I can say, what I can say, and you raised it, is that even if we bought three smaller ships in, it's only going to reduce the infrastructure cost by 7%. We've done all that information. We've had global experts on this. So what do you so, mean? So, so just to come back there, you're saying even if we get three, sort of, if we'd gone with the other option of three smaller ships, and if in fact we have to get smaller lease ships, you're saying that the port work will still have to be done? Yes, the, 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 yes, it, it does. And the actual, these ships are only twenty percent longer. Uh, we carry a lot more capacity for customers. There's still a lot of work to be done on the. On so, the so what happens because you've you've done the terminals have been you've had terminal closures. There's all sorts of changes down at the the Wellington end, isn't there? There's a temporary baggage claim all that sort of stuff. Will you continue with all that work to get new terminals and new docking? And where do, where do you get the money for that? No, all that all that's finished now. We'll have to now on Monday start to demobilise that. But all that infrastructure is still going to be of, of, of value. You've still got significant enhancements being made on Wellington side. 
uh, will now start to work with contractors to finish those works, make good, close them out. Uh, and, you know, government has given us funding to, to enable us to do that. What do you think that the sunk cost is here? How much has been spent that we're just simply not going to see any benefit from? Hundreds well, of millions? Look, 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 at the moment, we've spent $400 million, but a lot of that is construction, 70% of that is construction. We're still going to get the benefit of that, and you can see it as you, as you go down to Wellington and Picton. So that's not going to be lost. Um, obviously, the design cost and, that, and those things you can't recover. But How much spent on the design and any potential penalty with the shipbuilder? Oh, that, you know, that's a commercial factor. We've still got to sit down with our board, government to work through what are the options uh, with the shipbuilder. I mean, do you carry on building it and sell it? Uh, do you, could you sell it as it is right now? There's a number of commercial options. We're going to sit down with other players and work that Sorry, through. so that suggests that you, that you do have some fairly hefty penalties if that's being considered. That's a realistic option, that you would build them anyway and sell them to someone else. Well, it's, it's an option on the table. We've, we've, we've got to look at all sorts of options. At the moment... This decision's only come out the last 48 hours. We'll sit down, as I said, next week, and we'll work through that with all sorts of other stakeholders. Right. And just finally, just finally, in terms of the practicalities here, if we have those smaller ships, the leased ships, will that limit their sailing capacity in big storms, uh, some of the issues around you know, frequency of the timetable? Well, 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 yes, it will. I mean, as you know, this is one of the, la- the most dangerous passages of water in the Cook Strait, and what we've been designed is a fit-for-future uh, ships that are made for this condition, uh, so it's very difficult to go and get a ship uh, that might have been doing the English Channel to bring it in here, um, and that's obviously one of the risks, and that's why the option we put on the table was the right solution for New Zealand to deliver a safe and resilient connection across Cook Strait, but look, we'll, we've got to look at other options now, and our call out is let's sit down with everyone, including customers, to get and stand behind a solution we can all work for in the future.